We're making progress on increasing the places we can build housing. We're making progress on the ability to accelerate the permitting so we can build housing. And we're setting the stage for going big so that we can actually make investments we have to make if we are going to fight in a meaningful fashion the homelessness crisis. Well, that's Governor Jay Inslee right there talking about making progress on some measures to increase the amount of housing that's going to be built in our state. But how much progress will we actually see and what impact could a new state revenue forecast have on those predictions? Plus, while we're at it, is Jay Inslee going to run for an unprecedented fourth term? We're talking about state budgets, some controversial bills on police pursuits, education funding, and a whole lot more this week with a special edition of Seattle News, Views, and Brews, your Coffee Break political podcast. I'm Brian Callanan. I'm a host on Seattle Channel. The views expressed here are mine, all mine. And when I say extra special, I am not kidding, because joining me is an extra special guest host this week, Jerry Cornfield of the Everett Herald. And Jerry, of course, covers what's going on at the state capitol. He's your your ear in Olympia. And Jerry, I know you've been pulling a couple of all-nighters with the state legislature over the past couple of weeks here. Do you end up taking a nap during roll call, or when do you actually sleep? Well, I, I sleep during the day because that's when they're in caucus. See, they do nothing <laughs> when the sun is out. And then, and, and we're only speaking about the state house, uh, the state senate. They like to get things done. They're very, and they're out. I think their late night was eleven. Otherwise, they're eight thirty-nine, and they're home. But the house, I see. they like their caucus, and then come out <laughs> around ten or eleven. Oh, and boy. then uh, do the big stuff and uh, go home at one or two. So uh, Yikes. Yeah. Okay. That's all part of the fun. Well, thank you for uh, going into vampire mode over the past couple months here to keep things covered at Olympia here. Thanks also to our show patrons. The Seattle News Views and Brews sticker campaign is underway. You can get your very own decal for just $5 a month. I should also say thanks to City Grind Espresso, our background noise sponsor for the audio podcast. City Grind rocking it on the first floor of Seattle City Hall. But back on our patrons and our sticker campaign, I'm stuck on Rob this week. He sent in this photo of the sticker I just sent him with a note of thanks. Thanks to you, Rob. Join the sticker club, folks. Support the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks finally to Converge Media, our partner for the video version of this podcast. Check it out on Converge Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. All right, let's get going with right here, right now. Jerry, I really appreciate you being on the show here because we're getting close to some major deadlines for the state legislature. April 23rd, the last day of the session, so we're getting into the final month here. Could you catch us up on where we are exactly in terms of deadlines and cutoffs? Okay, well, there's really two uh, you know, critical times coming up. Next week, March 29th, that's a deadline for the policy bills. So uh, they need to get out of the committee. They're already gone through the Senate or the House, gone to the other side, but the big ones they need to be out of a committee or they are done. So there are a few big fights to be uh, resolved between now and the 29th. And then after that, there's a uh, there's deadlines for uh, the floor. Each House and Senate needs to finally pass the bills and yeah. create that little pile of, here are the things we're going to do, folks. And where they differ, they've got to you know negotiate and concur. And, and along, you know, just parallel that is the budgets. As we're speaking... Yeah. One budget's arrived. Uh, more are coming on Thursday. Uh, and then next week, the House will unveil all its spending plans. And so uh, while we talk about police pursuits and yeah. drug convictions, we also talk about billions of dollars going everywhere. That's right. This is that year. 2023 is the year. It's an odd, odd numbered year. So this is when we talk about budgets. And I want to touch on that just a little bit. But there was one other headline that I wanted to touch on briefly here with you, Jerry. 
Uh, Jay Inslee possibly running for a, fir- a fourth term. Have, what have you been hearing about this at the state capitol? And we're, I guess, 600 days away or so here. I don't know if I can hold my breath that long. Yeah, I don't think you'll need to hold your breath that long. Uh, historically, okay. governors that don't run again, uh, maybe June, July, when the bills become uh, start to take become law, they, they make announcements. I don't think uh, Governor Inslee is running for president, so we don't have to worry about that. Right. Uh, I will say, I, I while I don't expect him to run for a fourth, an unprecedented fourth term, I will say mm-hmm. he is really engaged this session, maybe as yeah. engaged as I've seen him. Uh, mm-hmm. These the bills that he's working on uh, is he's just it's kind of like his. Uh, there's a weight lifted because the climate bills that he's worked so hard on for three terms. Most of them have passed or are in are getting implemented. So now right. he can focus on something else. And he seems to be enjoying the conversation with lawmakers. Uh, so, but I, while I wouldn't rule it out, I'd just start watching the names Attorney General Bob Ferguson, Commissioner yeah. of Lands Hillary Franz. Clearly, right. they would like to be in that job. It sounds like Dal Constantine, the King County Executive, perhaps not in the running for that. He, he seemed to think, yeah. it, it, from what I was reading, that, that Inslee might run again for a fourth term. Well, I mean, I, I would never rule it out. There, he's yeah. he's got the energy, and yeah. um, he's got, uh, you know, I don't want to say he has widespread support. A Democrat okay. is, at this moment in time, going to win the election in 2024. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we just have to find one. Uh, now, the best Republican out there might have been the Pierce County Executive Bruce Dammeyer. He, too, has said recently that he's not interested. Uh, maybe he can be <laughs> talked out of that decision. <laughs> we, we would like to have an interesting race for governor. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the voters, the public, would like to have a, yeah. you know, you know, a, a good debate on issues. And they don't want it to be between two Democrats in the primary. And they don't want yeah. to see two Democrats in November. Not that that's right. a bad thing, but it's yeah. not necessarily the best for democracy. I, I would agree with you there. I'd like to see a, a good race there, too. Well, let me move on to another piece here with you, if I could, Jerry, and that would be the, the revenue forecast. And so, as I mentioned, working on the budget this year, the odd-numbered year 2023, but we heard about some insight here from the state's chief economist, Steve Lurch. He's saying the state should expect to see $65.7 billion come in for the upcoming 2023 to 2025 budget cycle that starts on J- July 1st. That's $483 million less than the projections from November, but still $1.6 billion above where we were, uh, where we are in the current budget here. And I'm, I'm cribbing these numbers from your article here, Jerry, so I hope I'm at least half right on what I'm saying here. I, I, I did want to mention this. So I, I, hope I hope I'm half right. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. I guess in looking at these numbers, it didn't seem like this was a big change in the forecast. Do you see this having an impact on the budget process that we're in the middle of right now? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, these numbers, you know, if you're sitting at home with it, you're you're figuring, uh, I expected to come with, home with an extra $100 at the end of the week, but I only came home with an extra $40. And okay. so if you, you know, if, if you spent all 100 in your mind and you wrote it all out, you now have to figure out where to take $60 away. I mean, that's kind right. of what we're talking about. Uh, and then there's, uh, unfortunately, budgets have gotten more complicated as the state has gotten bigger. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a whole huge number, hundreds of million, billions, really, well, hundreds of millions and probably a couple billion dollars not even counted in there. And that's what's come from the cap and trade auctions that have started. So yeah, there carbon. are more mm-hmm. dollars to be spent uh, that are not included in that number. Got it. And, and I was also looking, too, Jerry, at some of the 
I guess you could call them uncertainties in the financial markets right now. When you talk about the Fed possibly raising interest rates again, when you talk about some of these unstable banks that we're seeing right now in Silicon Valley, is that part of the picture here too? Yeah, I mean, Washington's economy is interesting just because you don't know. Higher interest rates may not affect you and I immediately, but they do mm-hmm. when people want to build homes or they want right. to buy a car and the interest right. rate's higher. So they say, oh, I'm going to wait. Uh, so that doesn't affect. We've had a lot of you know, headlines about layoffs of high-tech workers, but that yeah. hasn't seemed to uh, dampen spending. Uh, on the other hand, inflation is still up there and there's not a lot of house, new homes being built, so there's not mm-hmm. taxes coming in from real estate transactions. So, you know, that's where some of those are. I think people's fears about the bank banking crisis, that's just an intangible. And yeah. we went through Washington Mutual years ago, so there are yep. folks who are going to probably, if they haven't pulled their money out, they're not putting more in right now while they wait sure. to see. Sure, sure. I do want to ask, too, when you brought up uh, housing and the investments that the state is working on making there, there's a lot of headlines about that, too. I talked with Representative Jessica Bateman not too long ago about some of the missing middle housing bills that she's been working on. Can you update us on what's happening with some of those housing pieces? Because there were some big numbers thrown around there, too, in terms of how many houses that uh, Jay Inslee wanted to build for sure. Yeah, there. I mean, there's going to be something, lots of legislation passed. And when they're done this session, they will have passed uh, the middle housing, which increases density, or at least that's the goal in some urban mm-hmm. areas. Uh, the transit-oriented development is going to right. most likely get to the finish line. So you might see more compact and taller buildings near light rail stations, major bus stations. You've got permitting reforms, which are intended to get things built faster, uh, mm-hmm. What I used to call granny units, what the legislature calls accessory dwelling unit or yes, ADUs. The ADUs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're popular in legislation, so you're going to see uh, more uh, opportunities to uh, do those to, to build and open, you know, create ADUs on private property. So mm-hmm. the pieces are there. Uh, if the housing market wants to uh, explode, the question yeah. is: Are there are there employees to build houses? Are there developers and contractors wanting to do it. I, for one, think they're all sitting back. I think the economy is rough. The interest rates are high. And there's so much uncertainty. Why not wait till all these bills are signed and then Mm -hmm. figure out if it isn't maybe easier and cheaper to build, which is what the goal is in the legislation. And so I think that may, it's just total conjecture that just not a lot of acting going on because the market is just kind of volatile with the legislature. Agreed. And I noticed that too, Jerry, when at least with this whole missing middle piece and allowing for more density, taking away that whole single family zoning thing, which I know a lot of people were up in arms about. When that happened down in Portland, it wasn't like a flip of the switch and they started building, you know, everywhere all the time, all at once. It just, I think these things take time. And as much as legislators, you know, pass different legislation on this, the market has to catch up with that too. Do do you sense that going on here in Washington state as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we, you, you, some of these bills, like the middle housing, have gone through so yeah. many transformations that right. it doesn't affect as many cities as it did initially. And so you're right. not going to get as big a bang. But yeah. I, I think the legislature and the public, uh, you know, they need, they're need they acting and talking in the moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, housing, education, they're, they're, you know, issues take time to, you know, it just takes time to take a piece of land and, and, and build something on it. And I think people have to be patient. Uh, I think I always tell folks, equate it to your own lives. How long does it take you to figure out what color to paint your house? And you go and you shop. And you know, that's about probably three, a lot of people take two, three months to plan. 
Yeah. That's how much time lawmakers have to spend $65 billion and resolve the housing crisis. So it just, yeah. you know, it just be patient. Yeah, yeah. Things don't move as quickly as, as we want to, certainly when it comes to our housing crisis. Well, thank you for all of that, Jerry. I really appreciate it. All right, we're going to move on here, folks. Just when you thought it was safe to stop talking about education funding, guess what? It's not. We're going to break down what's happening with K-12 through education with a focus on special education, too, coming up on Now Hear This. Well, education funding. You've probably seen a few headlines about this, folks. Seattle schools considering some layoffs of office staff. Bellevue talking about consolidating schools. It's all part of the state's journey out of the pandemic with a well-functioning school system. State Superintendent Chris Rakedahl broke this issue down back in January during his State of the Schools press conference. The pandemic has been significant. No one would question that. But the recovery is well underway. The supports are there. But we enter what is perhaps the most delicate phase which is when everyone thinks things are getting better, uh, but unfortunately, the financial systems don't underwrite our school districts. Jerry, there's been a ton of talk about education funding this session, especially with special education funding. Can you talk to us about what's been going on, some of the bills floating around out there? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if folks haven't followed closely, they should know that, uh, that the school districts are providing education services for kids with special needs, uh, and they don't get full compensation for those expenses from the state. And it's been an ongoing issue. It's right. uh, And this session seems to be the one where I think it was uh, uh, Senator Wellman had said, we're going to make a uh, intentional and meaningful investment. So they are going to increase the amount of funding that goes into special education that gets sent out to school districts. It still won't cover 100% of the cost, in part because every child is different. And what a special needs you know, student in one classroom might be a cost of 5000 or 10000 extra dollars of services. It could be six figures for another student mm-hmm. somewhere else. So it really is varied. So they're increasing. It's a very complicated formula they use. They do multipliers. Mm-hmm. They have safety net funding. But the goal is to pump. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see 200 or $300 million additional monies going into special education across the state. Uh, and aimed at helping uh, school districts, starting with the small school districts, which yeah. one or two students can really um, cost a lot when you don't have the resources nearby, and then moving up to the bigger school districts. Got it. And is it, I, I know it gets really confusing here, but it's just a different calculation as to how schools get money. Is that kind of what the state is working on, that mechanism there, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, there's there's really two ways they do it. They just stick a big pile of money into account and say, okay, yeah. we're going to distribute it. And then the, how do you distribute it is based on uh, they, they create a formula so that you know, theoretically all school districts are treated the same. So you look at how many students you have total. You look at how many students are uh, of special needs. There's a percentage. If you're over like 13, 15 percent, uh, you know, you won't you'll get money up to a certain percentage. And I think they're right. talking between the 13 to 15 percent of your student population. Right. Uh, and then you'll give the same amount you would get for a student plus a, mul- a little extra. That's the multiplier. They're yeah. trying to increase that so that uh, the students will receive the, really the proper amount of money required to provide uh, the instruction, the need. And, and we're talking about sometimes it's tutors, sometimes it's one-on-one instruction. I mean, we don't know, uh, you know I don't want to begin to guess what, what is the, the academic challenge an individual right. may face, but right. you know, it could be anything. Uh, it could yeah. be very broad. 
Right, right. Yeah, that that's quite a. I, I know that argument's been going on for many, many years here. And I just did. did you get uh, uh, when I talked about the state of the schools and what Superintendent Rigdahl was saying at the beginning of the session here back in January? Do you have a feel for that right now in terms of the dollars and cents of it? Because as I mentioned, you know, Bellevue's talking about consolidating schools, Seattle, uh, they're talking about cutting some staff or whatever. It, it just seems like a very tenuous time financially for a number of our school districts in our state, perhaps because not as many students are going to public schools in the wake of the pandemic. Could you have that overarching view of how our school system is doing right now, Jerry? Well, I think first from the school system, I've written stories. Everett has done a reduced plan and they have layoffs. Uh, Stanwood's Comano is doing it this week too, and others will follow. But here's here's how I've seen it. The the state lawmakers are looking at school districts and kind of shaking their heads saying, yeah, we're going to provide you some money, but you guys kind of messed up. You know, mm. you got money from the federal government, the uh, bailout for the pandemic, and yeah. it was one-time funding, but most of you put it into ongoing costs, yeah. like human beings, workers, employees. Yeah. And now you want us to pay to keep them on the payroll. Uh, yeah. You needed to plan. Uh, yeah. And they've, there's other aspects. McCleary had several school districts that gave uh, an extra bonus because it was high cost of living, but they told them, look, we're going to phase out that extra, what's called yes. regionalization. That's going down. So you have districts that are, you know, want to keep spending what they were spending with the federal dollars. They're getting less in the state, and their enrollment may have gone down. So that also reduces. So they've, you know, they're in a bind. But the state lawmakers, will, you know, they don't think there's a solution for everyone because not every district's in that position. There are some yeah. rural school districts where enrollment's going up. Um, mm. There are some who invested all their federal dollars into one-time expenses and not ongoing, so they aren't in. A, they're not hurting, right? And so, it, uh, so there will be more money. I think you're going to see special education, transportation. Uh, those will get some support, and then just uh, for the enrollment, uh, that's going to be a difficult one. Uh, yeah. They gave a big chunk to cover decline in enrollment during the pandemic. I don't know that they can afford such a big investment this time around going forward. Thank you for that. I wanted to touch briefly on a couple more topics with you here, Jerry, because police pursuits, this is, I'm not quite sure what sort of debate we were expecting out of this. I know uh, Monka Dingra was saying there wasn't going to be a discussion at all with this, but, but here we are. Can you talk to us about police pursuits? I brought this up on my, on my podcast here last week, this whole idea of changing what's on the books. Now this probable cause standard to the reasonable suspicion standard. Where, where are we with this bill? Well, we're just watching the House uh, right now. Uh, it didn't. They had their bill. They were supposed to do something, and they did nothing. So mm-hmm. that's where the Senator Mongadingra and the Senate Democrats pulled the rabbit out of the hat, bought the, grabbed the bill, bought, brought it to the floor, and passed it. Uh, it barely had support, right? There's 29 Democrats, and I think it was 15 in that caucus said, All right, yeah. we need this bill. Our communities are beating us up on this. We need to do it. So they did it. Now, What's happening is it's waiting for a hearing in the House, uh, the Community Safety Committee. And I talked to the chair just yesterday. It's possible that it, he'll just, uh, uh, Representative Roger Goodman on uh, Tuesday, the 29th, is likely he'll just vote it out of committee. He said it doesn't need a hearing because we've already talked about this ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm looking to see it be voted out on the 28th or the 29th, sent to the House Rules Committee, and then, you know, then it's it, that's where it was last time. Um, so wow. we'll just see if they're ready. I think they're ready. The governor wants a bill. Senate Democrats have sent it. They know there's enough Republicans that you know will 
they'll bite their they tongue, pitch, but they will lose a little it. bit and do yeah. it. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, what the Senate did, you want some inside, you know, the, the in the weeds kind of stuff. Sure. The Senate. So the House had a bill. The Senate took it and they redid the title, which is mm. a nuance for most of us until you read it. And in the title, they basically specify here's when you can do a pursuit. So Republicans want to do pursuits after uh, you know, for auto theft. Mm-hmm. They aren't going to be able to do it with this law. Right. They're not going to be happy. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think there's 28, 29, 30 Democrats that will vote for it, and then they'll go get 20 Republicans, and you have 50 votes in the House. And yep. if they don't make any changes, they approve it there, it'll go to the governor's desk. Wow. Uh, will it happen before April 22nd? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those bills where you pass it, you yeah. sit there, you look at it in the House, and you wait in case you need to negotiate something else with the Senate. Okay. And um, I just it's definitely one of those, I think, end-of-session bargains to help send everybody home. Got it. Wow, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I know I was talking with Senator Jamie Peterson a while ago, very proud of the fact that they haven't had a special session for some time now. Uh, and I guess that's what happens when when Democrats have such large majorities there. But I'll, I'll be really interested to see what happens with that one too, Jerry. Can I squeeze in one last topic here with regards to nurses and hospital staffing? I didn't really see how this was going to turn into a major legislative issue this year, but could you update, on, uh, update us on this, kind of what the state's talking about uh, with nurses yep. and hospital staffing? Last year, it blew up and it failed at the end. And the bill and what nurses want is a certain ratio, an X number of patients per nurse. They want a Mm -hmm. number written into law. That was going along and then the House did it, but the Senate wouldn't. This year, all the sides came together and uh, said, all right, we're not going to put numbers per nurse. What we're going to do is we're going to create some really strong language that says hospitals, your administrators got to sit down with your nurses and your staff create a staffing plan. And in that plan, if you want to put numbers, great. Uh, Mm -hmm. You go for it. And then once you get that plan written, you send it to the state and we'll enforce it. So it gives the hospitals local control. The bill's been negotiated. The Senate passed it uh, at a hearing. The uh, sponsor, Senator June Robinson, jokingly asked the House, saying, look, it's all agreed to. Please don't change a word. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be voted out of committee on uh, Tuesday, the, the 21st. And yeah. I think it's headed to the governor's desk as is. So they'll resolve it. It won't improve staffing levels right away. It should change the conversation in the big hospitals between the administrators and the mm. nurses. You know, they've been, I don't want to say at war with each other. Well, since there's the been a, pandemic, yeah, there's but been it's been tough. Right? Yeah. There's been the walkouts. There's been strikes. Yep. There's been, so it's, but there is going to be that now. And I just, one last thing I'll throw in there on this. Yeah. It's one piece of what's been a very aggressive effort by legislature to deal with nurses. There's a, another bill to allow out-of-state nurses right. to come in and work faster, the compact. Compact, uh, yes. And there's some other changes that are being planned, uh, nurse education uh, and so forth. So there is a, you know, a, it's not just a single bill. They're trying to put them all together and say, look, you get a little here, you get a little there. And we yeah. get these staffing plans. We make them tougher. We should be able to improve the situation. Got and it. I should add that it's also some strong language on rest and meal breaks, which mm. got added in because uh, nurses often just keep moving along and they don't get to rest and they don't get their yeah. regular meal breaks. So now there's strong yeah. language to ensure they do. Certainly a spotlight on that during the pandemic and as we emerge from it, too. 
Uh, Jerry, just in, in starting to wrap up here, is any of the those bills like the the state dinosaur, the state cactus? What do we got? What do we got under the under the carpet here? Anything brewing here that we'll see at the end of the session? I think we will get an official state dinosaur. There are awesome. three license plate bills, special license plate bills, still in the mix. I think one okay. is for Mount St. Helens, one for pickleball. And one, if I believe, is for the LeMay Classic Car Museum in Tacoma. So yeah. I don't think all three go, but we'll have some floor conversations about what to put on our cars. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Well, Jerry, just to finally wrap this thing up here, finish this sentence for me. My favorite part of covering the state legislature is? Signy die. And, and before <laughs> dinner. <laughs> end of the session i see where you're going here (laughs) he can't wait for april 23rd i can't either jerry a real pleasure to have you thanks for being on the show oh thank you for inviting me good deal all right everybody thanks everybody for joining in with us here thank you jerry thanks to everyone listening to seattle news views and brews where you can always find out what's brewing in local politics this podcast is on apple spotify wherever you like to listen please do find seattle news views and brews on patreon and show your support there too Thanks for watching on Converge Media as well. We'll see you next time. Seattle News, Views, and Brews is an independent production of Callanan Media Services. Copyright 2023.